0: This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. Let's get into the week's top headlines. The Executive Council rejected $27 million in federal funding for COVID vaccination efforts. Police had to remove several protesters from that meeting. And the state's housing crisis continues. An agency responsible for coordinating the arrival of Afghan evacuees to the conquered area is struggling to find places for them to live. Joining us now to talk about these and some other stories is NHPR's Ali Pham and the Concord Monitor's Cassidy Jensen. Good morning to you both.
1: Good morning, Rick. Hi. Good morning.
0: Good morning, Cassidy. Nice to have you on on the News Recap. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to uh, get to to the, the top story, I think, of the week here in the Granite State. On Wednesday, Republican members of the Executive Council voted against two contracts that would have created new positions at the State Health Department to help administer uh, COVID vaccines. Now, Governor Sununu was in support of these contracts. Ali, can you tell us more about why his fellow GOP counselors were not?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I think at the end of the day, this was a, a very political decision. And you know, we shouldn't forget that the council had actually passed extremely similar contracts with the same language that a lot of these protesters who were there were up in arms about in the past. And you know, at Wendy's Wednesday's meeting, they also did actually pass several other vaccinated vaccination related contracts. In terms of some of the counselor's actual reasoning for, you know, voting these contracts down, it was, a little bit hard to tell. I mean, before the contracts were voted on, there was, and I mean Cassidy, you saw this too, just a very intense period of discussion and questioning of Commissioner Chibonet as to the necessity of these funds and Attorney General John Fermella about some of the language in these contracts that protesters had kind of mistakenly believed this made the state somehow more beholden to the federal government, which again, you know, Fermella explained was not the case. And I mean a lot of what what was discussed in that period of questioning and and brought up in that debate was kind of tangentially related to the funding at best and downright misinformation um, at worst. Um, I will say though, I mean, Councillor Janet Stevens did actually pause the vote to give a statement that was seemed meant to preface her no vote, and um, actually went back and read it this morning just to make sure I was <laughs> summarizing it cor- correctly, and it's it's a bit opaque as well. I mean, she basically praises the need for what's outlined in the contracts and hails the importance of vaccine access and equity and says we need to combat COVID-19 disinformation, but then also says, you know, she doesn't support the language in these contracts and maybe there's other funding for them. So, I mean, the reasoning was kind of a bit yeah. all over the place, So to be it, it, it may
0: be slightly different reasoning than some of the protesters um, were, were, were talking about. These vaccination contracts sparked that, that disruptive protest that shut down the executive council meeting two weeks ago when the, the vote was originally scheduled. This past Wednesday's meeting was held at a more secure location, the New Hampshire Police Standards and Training Council. But there were still a ton of protesters there who showed up. Some had to be removed. Cassidy, you were there. Can you set the scene for us? What was it like being in the room when those protesters were, were, were there?
2: Sure. Um, I would say it was pretty tense. I, I hadn't been to one of these meetings before, so I don't have a lot to compare it to. Um, but there was a pretty significant uh, presence of state police around the room. Um, the public was kind of sitting and separated into a, a separate section from the press and from the executive council. Um, and during the first hour or so of the meeting, there would be kind of outbursts from protesters making their views known about um, vaccines, but also on some other subjects kind of speaking out or, or heckling a little bit. Um, and then Governor Sununu would, would sort of tell the crowd to settle down. Um, eventually, a state police officer told them that if there were further disruptions, people would be arrested for disorderly conduct, um, which ended up happening. About nine protesters um, were arrested. Some for all, all of them had charges of disorderly conduct, and a few um, were charged with arresting, resisting arrest as well.
0: And did you talk with these pro- some of these protesters? What, what did they have to say?
2: Sure. I talked with a few people after the meeting. Um, they were very happy with the results of the vote. I talked with a protester named Kathleen Labonte, who um, sort of saw this vote as a success of the public pressure that they had kind of exerted on um, their representatives. They they saw turning down the funding as a victory for um, anti-vaccine anti-vaccine mandate um, movement, and and generally we're just we're just pleased that the counselors had listened to what they wanted to to have happen.
0: Ali, what does this vote against these contracts mean long-term for the state's vaccination efforts?
2: Yeah, that's a really, I mean, that's
1: the big question here, right? I mean, it's hard to pinpoint exactly how much an impact you know, this $27 million not being voted for will have. I mean, we do know that the Department of Health and Human Services now can't move forward in hiring for the positions that were outlined in these contracts. So that would be folks working on vaccine outreach and also just longer term helping healthcare providers navigate the state's new immunization registry system, which I mean, I know from talking to providers is really burdensome for them to navigate right now. Um, But, you know, I think the rejection of this funding is in some ways more significant in the message that it is sending to healthcare providers and vaccine providers across the state. That basically, you know, this executive council is not willing to accept what's, you know, more or less free money since it's coming from the federal government Um for vaccination efforts. And, you know, where this could also be really um, significant on the road is if this beco- is kind of the start of a pattern of rejecting similar funding in, in in the future. And, you know, I should point out the rejection of this funding does come at a time when the state's vaccination rate has just really absolutely plateaued for, for months Yeah, it's at just this been point. stagnant, hasn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, the governor, for his part, says this will not affect people who, if they want to get a vaccine, they'll be able to do it. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, there are still 500 vaccine providers in the state. I don't, it, to be very clear, it's not like the state's vaccination effort is dead in Depending the water and this. suddenly right. vaccines are going to disappear. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, this was symbolically exceptionally significant. Right.
0: And as you say, it could have long-term repercussions for future votes. This is Morning Edition on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news with NHPR's Ali Pham and the Concord Monitor's Cassidy Jensen. By the way, you can let us know about your thoughts and questions on this week's Executive Council vote by sending us an email to voices at nhpr.org. You can also leave us a voice message anytime at 603-513-7790. Let's turn to some other news. Now the, uh, the now that the Taliban is taking control of Afghanistan, of course, we're seeing the U.S. expecting thousands of Afghans to arrive as they're evacuating. And some of them will be coming to New Hampshire. Cassidy, I know you reported this week that the agency responsible for coordinating their arrival is struggling to find places to live in the Granite State. Can you tell us more about that?
2: Sure. Um, there are actually two organizations that are responsible for resettling Afghan evacuees here in New Hampshire. Both of them have been struggling to find housing. Um, Centria Care Alliance here in Concord um, is typically a, r- a refugee resettlement agency. Um, and the Afghan people who have been evacuated have this status called humanitarian parole, which is not quite the same um, as refugee status, but they're being kind of filtered through this similar pipeline um, with this emergency status. So right now, Accentria um, is trying to find places for people to live before they can get them settled in their new home with jobs, with enrolling kids in schools. Um, and it's been very difficult because there's a really tight rental market yeah. um, in Concord, New Hampshire in general.
0: And um, this is a longstanding issue, of course, across the state. And um, it's getting, It's been getting worse, certainly worse in the pandemic. Can you talk about how some of these ongoing housing problems have led to a situation where folks are struggling to find any housing, even for uh, newly arrived evacuees?
2: Sure. Yeah, it's affecting everyone, not just evacuees. Um, The vacancy rate is very low in New Hampshire for apartments. Um, Housing prices have been increasing over the past few years with the pandemic. That's even um, gotten worse with out-of-state buyers coming in to buy houses. Um, Landlords who might have otherwise have rented taking um, rentals off the market. Um, And so we're seeing people, not just evacuees, but people moving from other parts of the country or people moving um, within the state, having a lot of trouble finding a place to live at all, let alone an affordable place to live.
0: Yeah. And housing costs, as you said, they, they, they've been going up. And, and in part, there's a new study that says you can blame some of this on local residential regulations. What new information do, does that study provide?
2: Sure. Um, so this study is from the Josiah Bartlett Center for Public Policy and St. Anselm's College Center for Ethics and Society, and basically um, put some numbers to this idea that um, there's a relationship between local residential land use regulations and the high cost of housing Um, So this is something that it was not necessarily new information, but being able to quantify um, the impact that regulations have on um, high housing prices um, was really useful information. And it was able to – the study was able to show where some of that – some of those problems are the worst. Um, Some of those restrictions have to do with the size of a lot, zoning, setbacks, um, all these regulations that kind of determine where and, and how you can build housing.
0: Right. In some other news, the state has struggled for a long time with providing enough beds for children who need psychiatric care. Children have had to wait in hospital ERs for psychiatric beds. Ali, you reported yesterday that the state is in the final stages of purchasing a psychiatric hospital that mostly treats children. What do we know about that?
1: Right. So the governor and Commissioner Shibonett announced this yesterday afternoon. And um, I mean, we know that it comes at a time when the state has been making a lot of promises to invest, you know, more heavily in New Hampshire's mental health infrastructure, which is really, you know, not equipped to handle all of the demand for services right now. And that's especially been been true for children. I mean, Rick, you just mentioned that children have had to wait in hospital ER rooms for beds. And I mean, that that hasn't stopped. Yesterday, 18 kids were awaiting a, a psychiatric bed. And I mean, in terms of the sort of nitty gritty details of the acquisition, we didn't get a ton. I mean, Governor Sununu kind of skirted away from a question about how much the state paid for the hospital, you know, and said exactly how leadership is going to be structured. That's still being worked out. Um, but they, did seem really interested in also expanding the hospital's kind of footprint to just include other longer-term programs for children that the state is really lacking Mm -hmm. right now.
0: But it's not just about beds, is it, Allie? I mean, there's staffing shortages.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) In in some ways, that is a little bit about the beds because, um, I mean, Hampstead Hospital has is licensed to operate 111 beds, but um, they've only been operating about 40. In large part,
0: you just don't due have the staff. The to, to staffing yeah.
1: shortages, right? So, so what's I, the state
0: plan to do about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I talked to Commissioner Chibonette after the the press conference to hear a little bit more about her plans because, I mean, you know, the health care shortage is plaguing the whole state. Sure. Um, so you know, I don't know if, if they're gonna you know find the silver bullet for solving this, but you know, Commissioner Shibanet did say, um, we we really want to go national with our hiring and look you know well outside of New Hampshire and also look you know inter- at international hires." Um, so you know, I guess we'll we'll see how right. that goes. It
0: seems like that's an ongoing issue here in New Hampshire, but for many other states as well. So we're, yeah. everybody's competing yeah, for not the same a pool. New
1: Hampshire alone right. issue, for yeah. sure.
0: So I want to ask you both before we wrap up, what, what's next for, for your reporting? Um, what other reporting projects are, are you working on? What should we be on the lookout uh, for in, in the next week? Um, um, Cassidy, let's start with you.
2: Sure. Um, I'm going to be uh, continuing to follow the resettlement of Afghan evacuees um, and kind of uh, letting people know what that process looks like, um, and then reporting on some new businesses in downtown Concord.
0: Okay. How about you, Allie?
1: I Yeah, kind of also following some of the stories that we chatted about this morning and fingers crossed on this, but I'm hoping to maybe head to Berlin um, next week as well to just report on some of the the rising um, COVID cases and hospitalizations. Yeah, we are, we're that, seeing spikes region, in Collins so. County, aren't we?
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's it's put strain on, on on hospitals there. So we've been reporting on that uh, throughout the week as well. Unfortunately, we'll have to leave it there. We are running out of time. NHPR's health and equity reporter, Ali Pham, and Concord Monitor reporter, Cassidy Jensen. Thanks to you both for joining us this week on the New Hampshire News Recap.
1: Good to be here, Rick. Thank you.
0: By the way, you can find more of their work and all the stories we talked about this morning at NHPR.org and ConcordMonitor.com. And be listening to Morning Edition next Friday at this time to hear another round of the New Hampshire News Recap, where we cover the top news of the week. I'm Rick Anley. This is Morning Edition from NHPR. But you knew that.